Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, Craig Kimbrell recently picks up a save for the White Sox, but it was a bumpy road getting there. The Cubs can't fill up Wrigley. We're still buzzing over the new look Bulls, and the city is up in arms when it comes to Dalton Overfields. We'll discuss it all on episode 55 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best Chicago sports talk. I'm Joey Gelman. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Gelman. The man on the other side of the Skype is Dan Collins. You can follow him on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. The show, Believe in Chicago Sports, is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago, part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, lots of sports news, as always, in this city. As we got a you know a bunch of teams rolling at the same time here, which always is, makes it really really fun going in the fall. Um, but I think first, what was funny was I, I heard my intro as I said it and talked about Skype, and I had people ask the other day because we just restarted, and they go, "Do you actually use Skype? Like, isn't that like what only like you used to call your grandparents?" And I'm like. <laughs> Yes, I actually we actually do use Skype. We're not Teams people. We're not Zoom people. We are still Skype people, and I'm proud of that. Why? I don't you know, know. I, I feel like if this was like pre-pandemic podcast and we decided to do it via Skype, like I don't think you would even have that question. I think like since that era, especially like with a lot of companies now with the whole work from home environment and whatnot, Zoom has just like become like the Google in terms of the word you use for like a search engine or something like that. It's like, Oh, if you're doing some kind of face-to-face video conference, you're doing the zoom, right? Which in reality, it's like, no, there's things out there. Skype, Google meets, things of that nature. Also, I don't know. Sometimes it's just nice to throw it back to the good old Skype. You I know think what I'm saying? So. Well, and what's weird too, is it's got what I found is the best audio quality. And I don't know why that is. Cause you'd think the other ones would, but it doesn't cut us off. So, when we're actually allowed to be in the same place for once and do this show in front of one another, that won't matter. But for the last whatever it's been, you're just a screen to me. I, I forgot we actually we actually tested that too. Like uh, it was what right before our first or after our first bit of episodes, we like did one on Zoom. I don't know if it was like a test one or one of the um, earlier ones, but yeah. And then we went ahead and found out that Skype was actually the um, the better of the audio. Not sponsored by Skype this podcast. But you can. Is. You can sponsor <laughs> if you'd like. But, yeah, but Skype, if you want to kind of get up back in the video conference game, maybe give us a holler, give our friends at Believe a holler, and we'll see what we could do. How did they lose that? Like they What's were the, that? How did oh, they lose like, the video conferencing game? Like, they were literally the premier one. Pandemic hits. We're sorry. Skype is obsolete. Here comes Zoom, Teams, and Google Meet. Wiped them out. This is really what the listeners want to listen to, is the battle of video conferencing yeah i think <laughs> i think the same thing is everything it's really just the battle of marketing and innovation like oh somebody needs like cool video conferencing now we're going to be the ones who make it who give you the most tools for it whether it's like a, a webinar or a meeting a quick team huddle it's just going to have more features and things that are like designed to like fit your needs and this is all going to relate back to the podcast when we get toward the end and we talk about the needs of the Chicago Bears at quarterback, by the That's way. That's true. So it'll all come first full circle, I promise the fans. Or speaking of need, do the Sox need to rethink who they Whoa. need in the eighth <laughs> inning of their games? Look at that. You know, That's journalism 101, baby. There you go. Great segue. 
we we might have touched on this. I'm going to keep calling it season one just because I like to. Last year when we when we started this show, in terms of like the sports psychology of it all, because to me like that's literally all it is. Now, criminal girls out there were doing the show like the the night after he get, he picks up his first save for the Chicago White Sox, but then he goes out and the quotes are out there on Twitter or you know whatever online article you're reading about post game clip notes, and you know he tells the media that it's not because it was the ninth inning. Like that's not why he did well because you know, there's a handful plus appearances. Basically, I mean, ever since he's shipped over, ever since he came over to the South side from the North side um, during the trade deadline, it's been a little bit of a rocky road. I mean, just look at the numbers, not necessarily all too impressive. Um, and then, so obviously you're going to be asked the question, right? Like, is it like, did you have a pretty good solid performance tonight because you were pitching in the ninth? Now, he claims no. He claims it's mostly all a mechanics thing. But and I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just throwing theories out there because that's what we do here on the show, right? That's the whole point of having this conversation is, is still part of that eighth, ninth inning mentality. For example, if, if a pitcher goes out there in the eighth inning, even though they're used to being the ninth inning guy, the shut the door guy, is there something either consciously or subconsciously you're doing with your mechanics? Um, I mean, not only that, it's just where is like your mindset? Is it is it the mindset that's, you know, causing these flawed mechanics? Like, are you now getting back to the basics or are things now clicking because you're in a more comfortable position, which is like that ninth inning position? Because really you have those, you know, those baseball, you know, loyalists or whatever you want to call them, the ones who like, you know, are the, the fans who don't even talk to me about robo wumps or things like that. Like they're, they're the, you know, they're, they're the ones who still love to see the bunt, even though please, can we get rid of the bunt? I'm part of that, um, that, that fan club, but in talking about a closer, that's what you always hear, right? Whether it's a manager, whether it's, you know, a former player breaking down the closer role, it is a mindset thing, right? Like that's literally what it is. Like they need to be the ninth inning guy, because like that's just what they're used to. They're used to coming in in that in that specific leverage type of position, and that's why they get the job done. And if you bring him in with a tie, or you know, I'm just trying to think of all the cliches. Or if you bring him in in the eighth, or if you bring him in in extras in the tenth. Once again, we're like you know, it would be tie, or maybe like you're down, or it needs to be like that very specific save opportunity situation, right? Even like, you know, I, I remember like a few years ago, you would even hear like, um, oh, well, you brought him in, in the ninth, you had the lead, but you were up seven. So like that's why you know what I'm saying. So like to me, once again, like it's all just a psyche thing, and I'm not saying that's the situation with Kernbull. I think that eventually we'll find out as the season goes along, and you'll and you and we see where Larusa puts him into those situations. If it's going to continue to be a ninth inning save opportunity, or if it's just strictly leverage positions, if it's back, if it's a shared closer role, if he's back to maybe just strictly seventh eighth innings, we'll see, right? And as we get more data on that. We'll see if what he's saying actually matches what the paper is showing, what the data is showing. But it is weird to think about. I mean, if now the mechanics are continuing to get better and better and you put them, like I said, like in the in the seventh inning, in the eighth inning, you know, in, in a more setup role and it all continues to work, then like I said, that data will be there to support, right? What he said last night during during post-game interviews. But I think that there obviously needs to be more, you know data collected on stuff like that let's get into hopefully october make a great october run save set up whatever it is just if it was a mechanics thing and for the most part it's figured out which funny enough like he was lights effing out 
before coming to the south side where the mechanics just on him for whatever reason when he came to the, the south side the mechanics were a little off if so why was that it was a psychological thing of coming in the eighth inning a lot was it being on a new team what was it either way i think that as we get more games now that we have that you know that sample size of yesterday and getting the ninth inning save i think now we'll we'll see you know and, and, and if it so happens where it doesn't match up to where he's only going to be good in the ninth in the save situation then i think that would probably tell you down the road it's a psychology thing dr dan yeah um, that was very <laughs> philosophical that was good yeah it, it it's fascinating you know cuz i think you would say okay in baseball you got to perform no matter what the situation is but as we know very baseball is a very heady game a very mental game and with that comes issues like you're seeing and like you said we'll learn over time but you know i i it's weird cuz when when you're the main closer even though it was the cubs and they weren't very good they, they, they're, they're, there's a. Thank you for laughing at my team. <laughs> I was say, you had to throw that one out there. They were very good this year. Have to. Uh, it, it's there. There is something to to be said about being the guy. And I talked about it last week. And I know it literally has no bearing on anything, but for me, it does. And it's the ninth inning comes. It's you're at home. Liam Hendricks comes out. All the lights turn off. You have the big intro. His his big, you know, he does a We Will Rock You remix, and he, and he comes out, his whole routine, and he's there, and he's ready, and he's set, because he's the guy. And Kimbrell was that for the Cubs. And then you go to another team, and you're not that guy, because they have that guy already. And so I just wonder, you know, if, if, if that messes with you a little bit, because... The whole pop and circumstance of it? Which I think I, I think you're onto it though, but I don't know. If if if, if the game is that heady and you, and you know what your routine is to get ready for this one moment, you know you are the star of, and you go to another team where you're not that star and you have to fit into a new role, it's it it may be a little more difficult. And I don't want to think that's the case, but it's it's interesting because he's he's asked to do something different in a different leverage situation in a different inning. I know people can can argue and go, Joey, like, it's one inning difference. Like, what's the big deal? But, you know, to these guys, when that's their specialty, it is. Just like if you if you went to Kyle Hendricks and you go, can you can you pitch in relief today? We, we need to rest a couple of guys. Like, that would be very, very difficult in their regimen and how they prepare and how they get themselves mentally prepared to do these things. And so I think with Kimbrell, you may be seeing that adjustment to realize I may not be the single sole guy here, but... I got to fit into this role to where if they need me to do that, if Hendricks has a bad spell or whatever, not speaking into existence, don't worry, um, you know, then I can. But otherwise, I got to fit my fit my role here for this team because at the end of the day, you're trying to win a World Series, not just close the ninth inning of a game on a team that's, you know, going going nowhere. You see, I think the the people who are more data heavy, just for the sake of being more about the numbers would try to argue at least, you know, they try to have the position of, well, if you're a pitcher, if that's what you do, you pitch, that is your specialty. You should be able to do it, whether it's the first, the eighth, the 12th, right. you name it. Oh, I'm totally you know? going off of TWTW. There are no stats <laughs> in my analysis. Well, well, no, but you know, what I'm thinking is, is there a way to try to find, because you are right. Like there, there, there's no going around that it is a different leverage situation, right? Pitching, 
I, I think there is truth to it, and we've heard this, especially from like a lot of former players. You've heard this type of um, type of argument, one that basically like you just presented, where it's like if you're in the first inning, it's a start of a ball game. That is a way different situation to pitch in than if you're coming in the sixth, up ten, down ten, right in the ninth, up one, down seven. Like there's there's very like I said, it's just a totally different situation. Granted what you're doing is the same role. And as you were saying that, and I, I didn't really find one, I'm trying to think of like other sports comparisons. Like, is there like a, a position? Like if you're like, a, if, if you're an NFL kicker, yeah, you're going to come in during a whole lot of different leverage situations. I mean, you could be coming in for an extra point. You could be coming in for a game and, you know, a game winning 55 yard attempt. Like, but at the end of the day, what you still need to do is that we come in and kick the damn ball. Whether you want to, I mean, you could be Cody Parking, kick it off the post for an extra point, or like I said, a forty-yarder. Either way, but so like that's kind of like what the what the comparison kind of should be then, right? Because I mean, like I almost see the kicker in football. I guess I just just find like a somewhat of a comparison that would I guess argue against it, not for it though. Is that you come in no matter what the leverage is, and you're just supposed to perform to your job. Yeah, but baseball's different. Baseball's weird where you have yeah. specialized positional players that come in in different moments of the game that cannot come in before nor after. You know, you can't sub in, sub out, sub back in. But it's, it would all be an in-between-the-ears thing, wouldn't it? Right. Like, for example, think of a kicker who, like, just that, for whatever reason, like, they could kick the hell out of a 40-plus, even 50-plus yard field goal, but for whatever reason, they get the yips for well, a we've PAT. seen that before. Oh, I know. This is what I'm coming. Or, like I said, maybe it's one of the the more the more um, common occurrences where it's they're an awesome kicker unless it's crunch time, unless it's for the win. You know, which we've kind of also seen before. Mm-hmm. But then once again, it's it's kind of an all in between the ears thing. So I guess it goes back once again, full circle to how we started the discussion. If this is the case, and we're not, I'm not sitting here trying to say like, you know, oh, I, I think it really is the case that, you know, he's, since he's come over to the south side, Krimbrill is, you know, not pitched in the ninth inning enough. He, you know, he gets the first save yesterday. He needs more of those situations. I'm not trying to say that, but it's part of the topic because that's, you know, that's the first little sample size that we get picking up his first save yesterday. And like I said, as, as more, as there's more situations that he pitches in, we'll go on ahead and see how that goes. But, yeah, I guess like there just is a difference. Like it's funny to me though because you would think, right? So like, sure you get all the pomp and circumstance, especially if you're Liam Hendricks with the lights and the we will rock you, and like that sets you up in a specific mode. However, even though you don't get like that that big old badass stone cold entrance, and you know it's not like you're not like the guy coming out to shut the door. <sighs> Wouldn't it almost be easier, right, than to come in in the eighth and be like, "You're it's similar role. Like, you don't get the whole, you know, glorious entrance or whatnot necessarily. But, like, setup role, you know, if it's something like that in the eighth, like, it's still pretty high leverage because you got to get to that guy now. Yeah, but is it, right. a de- is it a demotion in their head? To the fan, it probably technically is. Like, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to speak for the player or not, but, like, yeah, like, as, as like, the fan watching it on, you know, TV or in the stadium, like, would you consider that? Like, that guy, like, you know, coming over, like, all-star closer himself, right? Coming over to a new team and having that, like, setup role. Is that technically, in the fan's eye, even as the baseball fan's eye, like, is that, like, a demotion on the team? Maybe, because the closer role is just the one more important, I guess. I don't know. I, th- I think where we can all get with this, 
And maybe this is how we end pitchers struggling. And I remember, I used, I've been saying this for years, Joey, and I can, maybe I'm completely wrong. But if you literally, which it's not going to happen, at least not in the foreseeable future, rid the closer role, right? Like, imagine if there was no closer role, right? Let's just say you have, you know, random number, seven relief pitchers. And of those seven, you know, pitcher A ended up getting five saves, pitcher B five saves. You know, everybody got about, you know, anywhere between five to eight saves a year. Just because you put them in whenever you felt was right, whenever whatever the data said against whatever batter, and you go for then like no matter what like then you're in all situations like you're not just the lefty specialist, you're not the closer, you're not the setup guy, you are just the relief pitcher. Your specialty is just pitching when whenever you have to come after the starter, whenever it may be. Sometimes you're the sixth, sometimes you're the ninth, sometimes, but like that will never happen because we've we've written the rules of baseball. Like these, it, literally, if you think about it, those positions they're like unwritten rule type of positions, right? Like there's no rule that states like this has to be the closer this has to be the setup like you need to fill those roster spots no you just you're allowed to have 25 guys 25 men on the roster or 25 plus and i know that they're doing it all weird never mind that that's old but you're allowed to have x amount of players on the roster x amount of them can be pitchers and x amount of them you know could be in the bullpen but that's how we set it up right like that's literally how the roles are assigned like for over 100 years now like coming out the gates of spring training you're the mid relief guy you're the long relief guy like there's no such thing as just you're a reliever you come in whenever we need we we, we, we like there's there's very few of those guys everyone whether it's like i said long relief mid relief setup closer it's all very specific out the gate just get rid of it right but the guy still knows if he's coming in the last inning that's the most important but yes it's 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 almost like you could take the NBA. The, the NBA did it, right? They made positionless basketball. You can make a positionless right. bullpen. Just throw whoever you want in there and give me some Mike Remlinger and uh, Kyle Farnsworth and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, the NFL is really going to be the the main sport now that I think about it. Of the four main ones, where like you're going to have to have X amount of like down linemen, or you know, like, obviously you got to have a guy under center, or, like you know, getting you know receiving the ball, but like. Other than that, yeah, I mean, you could basically have, like I said, like positionless, um, you know, relief. But it'll be interesting. This is obviously uh, not going to be the last time we talk about this topic on the show because it will be interesting to see how that data, you know, gets down the road. And as he makes, as Kimberl makes more appearances, where are they at? What's the production? Hopefully great no matter what, so on and so on. Talking about numbers, talking about data, the boys on the north side. And I'm glad you wanted this to be part of the rundown today because it's it's an interesting enough topic. I think we touched on it a little last week as well. Joey, get to Wrigley. Support your team. Win or lose. Come on. I I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't necessarily seen the um, you know the ticket sales or the stats or whatnot in the ballpark, but whether you have or haven't, I, I know you know like uh, uh, more than me in terms of like it's at least been pretty slim. I they have to be averaging less than twenty five thousand. Like since post, I'll say like the month of August, like you know post trade deadline or even the basically since post trade deadline, there's no way unless maybe it's like a weekend series or something that they're going to get. I want to think more than twenty five thousand in the ballpark, and that for the Chicago Cubs is this is brand like this is this is stuff we haven't seen in a while in terms of like fans just saying nah i'm kind of done i think they're exhausted i think they're gassed after it all like i think when you lose like when the trade deadline comes and it's the big trio along with like like we mentioned before all the other names along the way that obviously you've lost from that you know the 2016 world series team i think cup fans just got exhausted and they said you know what at least for the rest of this year like we're out 
Like, you know, maybe next year, like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think the Cubs fans have actually, like, hit the exhaustion button. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of going? And and, and it, it's true. And But you know what? I, I think because of that, that means they cannot put this kind of team out there again next year. And the old adage was always, they'll always sell out no matter what. It's going to be packed. And when you punch all the fans in the stomach and get rid of everything they love, you see what's happened this weekend where you got doubleheaders and games that are empty. I mean, the Rockies are bad, but you got you got empty seats. You got the best image was the kitty corner from from third base and looking across the field, there's one fan in the entire section. And it's just like people are fed up and done. And so I, I think it... It, it it's finally kind of they, they broke the dam a little bit here where you go okay you have to make moves in the off season to make this thing watchable or move it in the right direction because fans don't want to go there's no incentive to go it'd be like like when the angels right they never made the playoffs and that's a whole other story for another day but at the end of the the day you went to go see Mike Trout, and you could always bank on that, that, okay, as bad as this team is, I have the best player in baseball on my team, I'm going to go see him. Now, the Cubs would could have argued that, even if they were losing. Yeah, you can come see Rizzo and Baez and, and, and Bryant, but now, no. And, 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 and I'm, I, I'm not the fan that's like, oh my God, boycott these teams, there won't be change until they're, you boycott them, because... I'm a Bears season ticket holder. There's been plenty of opportunity for me not to go, and I'm not going to stop going. But I think it does send a little bit of a message here to an organization that kind of banked and everyone just buying what they were selling, and they're not buying it anymore. They, they've they seen the the truth behind all this and what the Ricketts have done <laughs> and are doing, and they're not, they're not in. I hate that I'm going to bring this up, but... One, obviously, winning the World Series in 2016 changes a whole lot, especially in terms of expectations and whatnot. Also, you don't have that stupid curse to even fall back on no more. And I'm bringing this up because remember, like, say, I'm trying to remember, like, the the, the 2003 Cubs with the Marlins and the whole Bartman thing. And then even um, right before 2016, how when, like, they got close, but they didn't get there. And it was like maybe something wonky along the way. And it was all kind of blamed on the curse. And. What I'm getting at is it almost seems like when that curse thing was alive, which obviously like you can could, you could see by when the one in 2016, like, there was never no damn curse. Well, maybe some people will still believe that, but it almost gave you like this pseudo reason to like not blame the front office as much. I know there were still like probably Cub fans who were pissed off after those 2003 years, but you, you get where I'm coming at. Like you almost like it's, a, it's just like another thing to put the blame on. Like, no. Oh, it's just that damn curse. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's the craziest, most Chicago thing I've ever heard in my life. But, but it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Like, but you don't even have that to fall back on anymore. Like, let's just say rain delay doesn't happen. 2016 Cubs don't even win. And like, we finally blow this, the Cubs finally blow this thing up. Like I said, there was no championship in 2016 in, in this alternate universe I'm speaking of. I the the curse would be blamed. Like people would probably still be be saying like, oh, Rick is just crying or something like this is nuts. Or but like I feel like that would still be one of the things that's fall back on, and then like, you just put yourself in for that other like the reset. And I think that's what kind of how you just mentioned now, like, even though there's no curse tied to it, but you as a diehard Bears fan, because like we literally like haven't been on this earth to witness a Bears Super Bowl championship. Like 
you you're still okay with putting yourself through that reset and maybe that's one of the reasons why no matter what you're still going to go and like always be a beer season ticket holder maybe that changes when they hopefully win the damn thing sooner rather than later but because now they've won it no like you're a little pissed like no i'm not just gonna go and reset more like i want that again or like i know what that feels like i know what like i've seen what it could take to get there so like maybe like you said like if the beers were to do that maybe maybe things would change who knows but i think there's something to that too like the whole funky curse thing that you can no longer rely on the fact that they did win it and now it's not just like okay we tried it it didn't work like 2016 didn't happen which it did but i'm saying like if it didn't happen that would be another reason to just maybe like all right but i'm still buying in put myself in reset mode but since that happened and then there was a debacle literally you kind of call it a debacle post 2016 cubs because within five years this is where it led them (laughs) since that glorious run in 2016 now that's what makes the cub fans ticked off because they know what they did have when you win it the that you're you're the, you are a championship team like not championship caliber you've won the damn thing so right. it puts it puts it all in a totally different spin yeah and and i think too in this in this era you know we know everything about everyone now there's no hidden secrets so you know we could have loved the rickets for eternity because we only knew them as the hi i'm the guy that bought the cubs here's all your nice things but they never known the evil behind them uh, and that happens to a lot of people now, but I, I think it's interesting, you know, there's kind of a, that breaking point, right? So you go, okay, the Cubs had their curse, you could always kind of rely on that, even if attendance dipped, it didn't matter, because that wasn't going to change anything, That never it never went down to what it was this weekend, I've never seen that before, but you could kind of hide behind that until you snap the curse, reality gets into focus, and now there's expectation, and things come into full purview. And the same, you know, it, it kind of go. I, I think about the Bulls with it too, right? I mean, not not the current Bulls, but the old Bulls, my favorite Garpax Bulls, where, you know, attendance goes up and down. They didn't have the greatest teams in the world, um, so they couldn't really be moved by that. Fans kind of, they were pissed, but they dealt with some of it. Um, you could still bask in the glow of the, of the Jordan days, and you think about it. The same with the Bears. Only anybody ever, everything anybody talks about is the 85 Bears because it still exists because nothing's happened since. And Joey's so sick of it. Yep. But I'll stick with my Bulls. Um, But, you know, and then even if attendance went down, nothing changed. The second they had a big premiere event and hosted that All-Star game, and the entire audience in the background of a nationally televised audience said to fire everyone while Zach Levine was getting interviewed, that changed everything. It became real. And you have these little moments that break these little laissez-faire attitude towards things or, or, or vanilla view towards things that snaps, I think, both an organization and a fan base into reality. And I think this was one of them was, oh, like people aren't going to watch this team at Wrigley. Maybe I shouldn't go watch this team at Wrigley. What's the point? Why are they doing it? And then I, I don't want to put up with this. I don't want to spend my hard-earned cash on this. And you expect more. And you hope the team listens. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Boy, we were getting into all the philosophies and the this and the that, and the laissez-faire. And oh, my goodness. What, what are we doing on this show? Good news That's is, though. Big words. Up, as, as you brought up the Bulls, and I, I, I'll, be, I'll admit this to you, Joey. I, I didn't know this was the case. Barkley apparently coming out and saying that they're the team who won free agency. Is this correct? Yeah. 
Yeah, he did. Oh. And and when's the last time you heard that? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was about to say, like, uh, let's see, they drafted Jordan Wem, but even so, like, you wouldn't necessarily call that, uh, you know, free agency period. But, you know, I was looking into it, and it's funny. It was, like, kind of a very quiet, like, free agency period in the NBA. Like, you had a lot of guys like, you know, Durant or, you know, Curry, like, signing extensions, like, with their actual team, you know. But you didn't have that blockbuster year of, like, oh, LeBron's. LeBron is like, you know, leaving ship or, you know, or Kevin Durant's going somewhere new. Like there wasn't, or, you know, Giannis going somewhere new. Like there wasn't those big top five, you know, names necessarily going that could completely change an organization. Right. So like you, you look into that second, like I'm trying to think of the other teams who would like compete for that. Like, you know, the, that had the best, oh, well, you the heat and like Lowry and, you know, and, you know, PJ Tucker perhaps, and, you know, signing, you know, Butler, you know, Butler extends there, but you look at what the Bulls did, and Lonzo Ball, you finally have a talented point guard who can finally be like somewhat of a floor general now, right? I mean, you look at where he was in the past. Now he could finally maybe be what the Bulls need. I mean, the Bulls haven't had a really good point guard in, in how long? Like, you look at Derrick Rose, but even then he was a more of an attacking, very aggressive, you know, not necessarily your floor general type of point guard, especially early on when you have, you know, the, the very explosive Derrick Rose and then DeMar DeRozan, even a scrappy Alex Caruso. You just look at what that team is now, right? Like what they build themselves up. Sure. You know, a, a, a projected start in five, which a lot of people say, well, they're not really going to play much defense, right? I mean, you're looking at, you know, we'll That's see okay. how, the show is some entertaining basketball, right? You know, Vooch, Williams, Levine, DeRozan, you know, ball. I'll, I'll take that. Obviously, you look into that and you go, oh, who's coming off the bench? Well, luckily, obviously, you, know, you do bring in Caruso, so that's somebody. And there's still, you know, still names there, White, Mark. And, you know, see how they how they add in there. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, it wasn't like you had, like, a LeBron James leave this year and go somewhere new and completely you know, take a team by storm. So, and that that's not saying that because of that, that's why the Bulls potentially like win free agency or, or did that well. But you just look at where they were at and where they're at now. And they're definitely by far one of the most improved t- top five, without a doubt, when you're talking about most improved teams going into the next NBA season. So they said, we're, we're still buzzing over that. And it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, last season I feel was, um, of the podcast, at least very beers heavy, might get a might get a few more bulls. How about uh, it? You know what I mean. More reason to watch. I actually remember we would be on the show and you know talk a little bit of bulls here and there, of course. But it was, it was just it was a hard watch, wasn't it? I mean, it was yeah. a really hard watch. But granted, ho- hopefully they stay healthy. You know, if it, if it's a healthy bunch and this is what we got, then. So it's at least going to be some entertaining basketball. There, I mean, there was enter- there was bits and pieces of entertaining basketball last year. So with this new and improved um, lineup and what they did over free agency, no reason, like I said, if they stay healthy, why it shouldn't be an entertaining team moving forward? Absolutely. And, and, and I think it's twofold. I think it's what you said where the free agent class was very good, but it wasn't like, you know, Kawhi Leonard's going to the Bulls, right? But Right. But there's also the fact that their creativity, I think, propelled them to be the winners of free agency. And I've been reading a couple articles on it and, and, and just seeing through that, you know, the things the Bulls did, Garpax could have done that. I don't think they would have, but they could have. It's not like they didn't know the rules, what they could do, signing for trade exceptions, signing trades, 
doing all these different things. But these guys did it. And, and you know, the old regime would have kept trying to sell you, uh, well, you know, Levine and Markkinen and Kobe White, they haven't played together. They've been hurt. And so we really want, we, we know that when this group is together, finally healthy, they're going to be good. And they and they couldn't admit their mistake. They, they, they couldn't move on. They had to try to see things through until it was too late. And this group came in and said, great, we'll give it all a year. Up, oh, turns out 90% of these people are not who we want. We have no ties and we can move on. And, and yeah. smartly did and then got creative to make a team that I think could be competitive in the East. They're not winning a title, but they're at least watchable and probably a playoff-bound team that you can actually root for and care about versus just rooting and rooting for hope, right? Oh, these guys, well, they didn't have, they weren't healthy, so when they're healthy, look out. Like, that's not going to be the case. That, just, that never was the case. Uh, so I, I think that's where they win it. In 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 the public perception, because they did everything right organizationally, and they acquired players that are actually players people know and people want to watch. You know, I, I mean, I'm trying to think. Going to Bulls games, I, I Derrick Rose has to still been the most popular jersey in there, right? But you know, oh yeah, right. Levine but, maybe. Yeah, there's Levine. a couple of Levines now, probably I would think, but nothing, it, nothing too huge. Who <laughs> still get the Jordans? Yes, still get plenty yes. of Jordans, plenty of Pips. Yeah, but like now you could go buy a Demar Derozan jersey. I mean, you could. It's, it's someone people know exactly. Big baller brand T-shirt. Joey's so, all for it. So you have names now. It's like I joke, like the Bear games. Like it's it's Erlacher, Peyton. And then now Fields, like those, are like the three, and maybe Mac. Like there, there's just these yeah. gaps because the teams have been so bad. And so now you have a team here that goes, okay, I can see kids buying these jerseys because they know who they are. They've played with them for, you know, the last five years in two K, and that means <laughs> something. Yeah, I mean, not only that, it, it sounds weird to put it this way, but we touched on it a little last week. Is literally what you're doing, like out there as a team, their play. They're auditioning for like they're they're showing like the next big free agency names like auditioning like giving them a reason to come like to the team right like that's one of the things you talked about like oh you have like guys like DeRozan and Ball and like some names who come here because like they're the, you know they they think that you know the the Bulls could head in the right direction like it's it can now potentially be a destination spot and sure they might not be going out there you know cognizantly thinking like oh like we should at least at the very least you know compete and like do really well, you know, in a postseason stretch or something, because we, we want to be able to, you know, get the help of a big name free agent. But as a fan, you know, that's what you look at. Like as a fan, you want to watch this team and you want to watch them grow and you, and you hope that you see really, really good basketball next year. So like if they are like kind of just on the cusp of something special or just on the cusp of being a team where just one more, you know, just give me a superstar and they could really make a run for this thing. Cause then you're giving that superstar more of a reason to, go on ahead and, and play for the Chicago Bulls, which, like I said, we, we touched on that last time, but it's still something cool to think about. Like, as a fan, that's another reason you could watch for is to see how good they are, to see how close they could get, you know, to competing with the best of the best and then realizing just maybe how far they are. Maybe it's not too far, right? Who knows Who knows what kind of sophomore year Williams has next season? You know, we'll, we'll go on ahead and see, but 
something to look forward to as a fan. Like you have that reason to watch because there is actual promise that this team could get better and better as years go on, not only with the roster they have, but also a few more moving parts moving forward. Speaking of moving parts, fantastic way to end the show. Your favorite topic, Joey, the Chicago Bears. Once Mr. Biskey torching them <laughs> last week. Oh, oh you know what? How do we, how do we bury the lead? Well, you know what's funny? I re-listened to last week's show, and you li- and you literally said that Trubisky will torch the Bears. Nah, I'm just kidding. There's no way that happens. And uh, then he did. Waxed them. I'll be at preseason. Wax the Bears. And it's funny. I know Bears fans, I'm sure the majority of the Bears fans wanted so badly like to just like be like boo Mitch everywhere on social media here. Like Bears fans wanted like him to just be terrible. Right. Like I'm sure they did. And it, it's a, it's a goofy thing to say. Like, you, like, come on, we already know what the career or we don't already know, but we, we could see kind of the direction like Mitch Trubisky's MVP like, Nickelodeon baby. Yeah. MVP. There you go. So, but yeah, it's, it's hilarious that that happens. And now I mean, either way, obviously the bears are moving on. Uh, they, they've moved on from him, but that was going to be the move regard. Like you're not looking back now in hindsight and saying, Oh man, maybe they should have kept Mitch and still drafted field. Uh, that That's not the case. But once again, and I think this is probably gonna be somewhat of a reoccurring topic because of course it is. It's quarterback. It's Chicago bears. Everybody wants, and I sent you like a some goofy like video meme or something via Insta before we started the show of, you know, Bears fans upset out there that, you know, things are aligning for Dalton to be the week one starter, right? And the thing is, I, I could see why, as an excited Bears fan, you would want so hard to, or you you just really want to see Justin Fields out there. The thing is, for me, and I get it, like, why the rush? And the only good counter argument there is, is because what if he's the kind of guy with his kind of skill set, he can become better faster with practice. Like sure. You can leave him on the sideline. It's not like he's going, you know, his skills are going to diminish, but he's the kind of guy who you could put out there week one and no, you're not going to like, you know, get an MVP caliber, you know, quarterback right off the bat necessarily, but he'll, his career and he'll have more, you know, of a, of a linear path upward in terms of perfecting his game. If you were to get him out there sooner, like I said, it's hard to tell like how that necessarily works. Like where the numbers show you, like what, what is the smartest strategy to take? I don't think holding the clip bar, honing the clipboard for an excessive amount of time probably does not much good, but I, I am comfortable like I'm, I'm fully, I'm going into the Chicago Bear season, fully expecting Andy Dalton to be at least the Chicago Bear starter for the first few weeks. Maybe he's mediocre, maybe he's not. I think things would have to get really bad again, like quarterback play wise would have to get really bad to then see Fields go out there very early on in the regular season. But I don't know, still, still interested to see your take on it, Joy, because as the as the season ticket holder Bears fan. You're you're gonna you're gonna see what uh, all the rest of the lakefront residents are like this year when uh, Andy Dalton, which it seems like, is going to be the guy leading the Bears out the tunnel this year. Yeah, I, I I'm in a weird spot with this because I I think if we didn't know as much as we know about Justin Fields, right? So if it was like a Mahomes pick, right, where you see that you know the upside but you don't know as much about him because of the conference he played in or where he went to school. You get it, and you say, okay, 
you know, we're going to groom this guy. Andy Reid can do it, but we have a Pro Bowl quarterback that's taken us to the playoffs for three years, and we're okay with that because we don't know what this guy's going to be. Uh, and so when you sit here and look at Fields, you go, okay, I want him to be groomed. I don't want him to be rushed. I want him to be prepared so that when he does come in, he lights everything up. Uh, the difficulty now is how do you view this season? Because... If you're starting Andy Dalton, track record the last couple of years hasn't been great. You know Fields is the better athlete, but maybe Dalton with experience, I get their argument. But it'd be one thing if it was Alex Smith. You go, okay, the Bears are a playoff team no matter what, whether they bring in the rookie or keep their long-tenured Pro Bowl starter. But now... You're sitting here and you go, well, what's the... I'm sorry, I'm repeating what I just said, but I'm going back to, well, what's the goal of the season? Because if you play any Dalton, the expectation is not to make the playoffs. And it's buying time for fields, which also means Nagy and Pacer on a much more extended ding, clock. Ding, 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 ding. So it's it's The it's theories difficult. will be thrown out there. Right, because <laughs> it... Oh, the theories will come. Right, so that's where it's tough of, okay, I want them to do this right, because we saw, I mean, I know Mitch wasn't good enough, but we saw what happened, you know, when he was thrust into action when, under the wrong circumstances, and granted, the next year he was fine, but but it's, it, it, it's difficult because you're sitting here with a quarterback that you know is not good enough to win, uh, so you then go, well, the next guy that we all want to see, no matter if they win or lose is more fun to watch and is more entertaining and could be better. It's not that there's not someone here. There's not a, a Brett Favre here. that Aaron Rodgers is waiting to take over and you can buy that time. This is, this is a quarterback room. That's gone. Mike Glennon, Chase Daniel, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles to this, to Andy Dalton. Like that's not pretty. So and, and and I go back to Theo Epstein saying Not every a fan are we <laughs> no, and I go back to Theo right. He always said every season is sacred, and I go okay. The Bears clearly don't believe that this year by starting Andy Dalton, even if it's the right thing to do in their mind. They they're they're not probably better with him at quarterback, but they're convincing themselves they are because of experience, and as we've seen. You've brought in Mike Glennon, you've brought in Nick Foles, who had more experience and knew the systems, and they both fanned out completely. So it's 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 logical brain and lakefront Bears fan brain do not mix well on this topic. Yeah, it's um it's interesting because if you're a coach or a GM who you know for sure you only have like one year left on the contract, or it's like what what's the move you're making? Right. Like if you if you were that going in there like as a lame duck coach or something like I feel like you're probably going to push fields sooner rather than later. But it doesn't seem to be the case with, you know, the the whole secretive type of contracts or possible like extensions down the road and, you know, time that's left, you know, in the naggy pace era. So it's looking like there's at least a decent amount of time left for them. So if that's the case, do you rush it? Probably not, because then even potentially buy yourself more time if you don't not saying that's the whole rhyme and reason you know behind it but if as 
a leadership team, as, as you know, from a front office and, and coaching perspective, if your job necessarily isn't on the line for it in terms of you need to produce the numbers now and like people obviously fans now with that draft pick, the fans will also they will, right? Fans will give the beers a little bit more time now until you at least see fields on the field. Oh, I don't think they're giving them time. I think that's the difficulty. I think the fans, yeah. the fans know what they've seen in Big Ten play. They know what they've seen in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but people, like, even, like, silly, stupid people can realize that he's a very good quarterback and has a knack for the position. He may not be the all-pro you want him to be, but he, he, he has the natural ability and tools and awareness to play the position to where... It's a it, it it could be a much shorter leash for Dalton or the pressures on him to perform immediately because I mean hell if they booed Nick Foles for yeah. being bad and even Dalton they booed imagine what happens if they you know lose the first home game to the Bengals yeah it, it, it it's gonna be are, bad like fans booed, yeah. are fans are gonna be pissed and Dalton's already angry that he only gets questions about Fields not about him and everyone's like looking past him. And like and you said, all it's going to take is bad quarterback play. Because when you had bad Mitch, you wanted Foles. When you had bad right. Foles, you wanted Mitch back. Like if 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 the if the quarterback at the time on the field for the Chicago Bears is not satisfactory, the fans will let you know it, right? Right. But if they were transparent and they told you we're we're just washing this year because he's not ready and we gotta just put a team out there. Not that I would like it, but I'd say okay. But well, if, that's they, what I mean. if if they're trying to convince you they're gonna win then this isn't the that's proper the way to win. Story. That's a, And that's, I guess, what I meant was, sure, I even said in the season, like, you know, fans are obviously all up in arms over this. They're, they're booing Dalton for crying out loud because they want field so bad. A little silly. I, I, I get where that's coming from, but a little silly. But that's what I mean is, like, if, if the Bears did come out and just and say that and say, no, like, this is what we're going to do. Like, we don't want to rush. Like, the things we have, like, we, we know he's got a great skill set, shows a lot of awesome things early on, but this is just the route we're going to take because we, like, he's that valuable to us. The fans might not like it, but at, at that, that's when they probably put the pitchforks down and say, all right, F it. Like, well, we'll see you. We'll see you in a year or two. But or obviously it would be next year. The fans aren't going that long without seeing fields on the field. But um, obviously we'll get some playing time this year during the regular season. How and when? That's the big question. Is it going to be way later? You're talking like week seven, week ten, and is it only like in certain garbage time situations, or you know when you see the fields appearance, or is it actually like starting the game? Who knows? But. Lots and lots to dive in there, Joey. Look at us. Look at us on on season two, episode two, just going go, except for the hockey but we'll talk plenty of hockey later on but we're, we're covering all the believe in chicago basis we're doing pretty good doing all right doing that's all right. we start in august because you know july is dead <laughs> nothing <laughs> to talk that, about all on vacation it's too hot all all you know all the above but too plenty, hot plenty, it's plenty. 100 degrees this week it's horrible yeah, that's true. No, I I am ready for the for the fall weather, the sweater sweater weather, the uh give me the football, give me the fantasy football, give me the ILL October. football this give, weekend. I and I first game of the, the year. Give me the October baseball, all of the college football, bring it all back. Bring it all back. But until it's all back and we'll, we're going to be keeping in touch every step of the way with it. Uh he was Joey Gelman. You could find on Twitter at Joey Gelman. I'm Dan Collins. Like said earlier, you can find me on Twitter at Sweet Dan Collins. This fine lovely show uh, on Twitter as well at Believe in Chicago. As always, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Joey, it was a slice. Listeners, thank you. 
We'll catch you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.